0: The following is presented to you in a round sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around.
1: Let it on t- she do on respect, the sister walk around like a woman She won't speak less it's something worse, and don't play. The girl takes herself so seriously. People stare curious. She got a natural way, her hips sway furiously. Like luxurious Carries herself like the cutest most thirdiest thing you seen this side of the bay.
0: Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do what you like. Every week, you're going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't going to do. Politics, pop culture, long weekends, and good friends—we cover it all. We know that no matter where you are, it's a challenging time, a changing time. It's a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays, but we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99 cuz we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. <laughs> Our guest this week is making her second appearance on the show. She's a writer, interviewer, and cultural commentator. She's the co author of the New York Times best selling book, Big Friendship, along with Ann Friedman. She's the co-founder of Tech Lady Mafia, an organization created to increase the visibility of women working in technology. But don't you try to put her in a box. She says there's not even a title for all the dope shit she does. And I agree. We are so happy to welcome back my friend, my co-conspirator, and the homie, Aminatu so. Aminatu. Hi boo-boo. What
1: the fuck? What's up? I'm so excited to miss you.
0: I miss you more. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I miss you so much. And I love seeing your face. Sorry to the listeners, but you got to have it like that. And you I don't, know. but I do.
1: <laughs> I love seeing your face. I want the listeners at home to know that Alicia is wearing a really cool t shirt today um, with Miss Diana Ross's face on it. It's That's very right. Very iconic. That's and, right. um, Maybe she'll put a picture on Instagram for everyone to appreciate.
0: You know what? I just might. I didn't put any makeup on today, but it doesn't fucking matter. I think I will just um, broadcast and advertise my Diana Ross t-shirt that I fucking got from Target this weekend. And I swore to myself, self, that
1: is how you need to start your week with Diana an unproblematic fave, just vibing and minding her own business. You know I'm what? Like, I don't know anything about Diana Ross and I love it. This is a fact.
0: This is a fact. And I'm really glad you said this, actually, because we are in the era of knowing too much of what goes on in people's mm. heads that we look to to entertain us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know too much about the politics of like, Rappers and shit like that. And I probably could do without that. And I think yeah, maybe I the could world do could. with less
1: Boosie any day of the
0: week. <laughs> you know I mean? like, any day of the week. Yeah. Like I saw today that um, Killer Mike is having a conversation. He taped a conversation with Herschel Walker.
1: Why? No comment. Why? No comment. Like what? I'm just here so I don't get fired. <laughs> Why does the world
0: need that? We have enough fucking problems. We do not need more amplification of nonsense. But I digress. Look, last time we had you here, you were part of a duo. We had you and Anne, but this time we finna really get it the fuck in. So I got to ask you, despite popular fucking opinion, we are still in a pandemic. I don't know why people are running around inside, close to motherfuckers with no masks on, but that's your business. That's between you and the Lord. What has your pandemic life been like? And have you developed any unique habits live and direct from Miss Rona?
1: I like, we are still in a pandemic. Sure. That is, it really boggles the mind. Um, You know, and I think that that's probably what's been the most painful about whatever this period of pandemic that we're in is that everyone is in their own different phase. You know, it's like a, the people with children who are not vaccinated or having a very different pandemic from, you know, the people who are running around, um, people who have been sick or who have disabilities have had a very different pandemic than than all of us. That's and right. so there's just like levels. There's levels to all of this. I will say that for me, um, I have to be jolted and reminded every day that we are still in a pandemic because even though I am, you know, it's like I'm participating in the theater of pandemic, that I mask, I'm washing the hand. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm doing all the things. Everything around me makes me feel like I'm not foolish for doing it, but I, it's just like, am I the only one still doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. You know, and, and to be fair, I think that a lot of people are feeling that way. And that, and I've been trying to pay a little bit of attention to that because I'm like, I know that I'm not the only one, but I know that I feel that way. And I'm like, why do my friends and the people in my community who are also not the only ones like feel that way? You know, and I think that it's because there's so much internal and external pressure to just be back to business as usual but business is definitely not usual at all. I was like, whether we are in a pandemic or not, the, the world the world is on fire. I was right. like, this is not business as usual. And everything feels weird and strange and overwhelming, right. you know? Right. But it's also like, I'm still here.
0: You know what? I fucking feel you. I, I have been on planes a couple times in the last few months. And I was on planes when people were talking shit about no more mask mandates, right? So You know, we were seeing these videos of people mid-fucking-flight just ripping the shit off and being like, woo, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I have been on planes and masked, you know. I'm hand sanitizing. I'm wiping down my surfaces. And I'm literally like, am I nuts? I'm pretty sure this shit is not over, but I don't see a mask basically anywhere. And I'm not sure I understand.
1: Well, I mean, I think I think we understand. We live in America, so we understand. Um, this Facts. We always understand. Facts. Fair. <laughs> I think that what I have been really struck by is just—it's like the mask thing—is making me think about a, a, a lot of other things, but namely the way in which we like police each other constantly. Mm. Because I'm like, I'm gonna wear a mask, and I'm wearing a mask for many different reasons. One. I haven't, it's like in the last two years, I've had a cold one time and I was so embarrassed when I had this cold. I was like, it's not even COVID. Like I have a cold from where, you know? Like I was yes. like, this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I was like, I don't want to ever have a cold again. I'm not particularly interested in sharing germs with other people. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, also sometimes I'm like, I, you know, I like I have acne on my chin. I don't want to be showing it <laughs> out here and I want to run errands. Um, And it's frankly nobody's business. And I remember traveling to Asia many times before the pandemic and people were always wearing masks and it never seemed weird to me. Yeah, It definitely, lo- you know, like it looked like a choice and I was like, well, I'm not gonna be engaging in that, but it never seemed weird. And there is something so weirdly American about how hostile people are to mask wearers. Yep. It's like, you know what, like, me personally, and this is definitely selfish. It's like, I live in a household of one. So I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm responsible for my own safety. And, uh, you know, and I get to like make choices in how I move every day that are not afforded to everyone. But I was like, me, I'm going to be wearing a mask. And I'm honestly like, I don't care about the people who don't wear masks anymore. Because guess what? By wearing a mask, I am protecting myself, which that part, you know, like we've, we've discussed the selfishness of. But the thing that I've been like really shocked by are um, how many people... Ask me or feel confront want to feel confrontational with me about my mask, and I was in um I've taken a plane a few times in the pandemic and I was in l a and truly it was like this thing where it's like I got out of the car i I didn't even realize I had a mask on at that point because sometimes also you just forget like it's on your face, yeah, I'm totally. sorry I got comfortable totally. ones <laughs> I, like I don't know what's going on. you know I was like, I don't know what's going on. I forgot that I had a mask on. And this man, this is in Los Angeles, California, in like Hollywood. I can't. And this man out of nowhere comes to me and he's like, Why are you wearing a mask? You people are just like fear mongers and blah, blah. And he's talking when to me. It started I'm like, with you
0: people. That was you the fucking rap right there.
1: I'm like, You don't, you don't know, like, you don't know my life. You don't know my story. And I just looked at him and I was like, Well, actually, I'm wearing a mask because I don't want to be caught by the surveillance state, sir. Sure. And then I watch this man almost glitch. Like he <laughs> I, like he couldn't figure it out. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm okay. with you, QAnon. Okay. Like we're out here in these conspiracies. There and I don't go. want them to see me. See, this is like so you, you. you figure it out. But yeah, I just that has been like a very strange experience. Like all of the like, why are people still wearing masks? What is are doing? And I'm like, just mind your business. Like, why do you care? Yeah. Why do you care? And, you know, and it's not comparable at all, but it does have parallels. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing to people who wear hijabs. This is what we're doing to people who make different choices than we make. It's what we're doing to people who just, yeah, make their own choices about how they want to live life and protect themselves. And someone always has something to say about it.
0: That's right. You know what? I really appreciate this because um, mask wearing has gotten politicized and what is really, really interesting, right? And on both sides, to be fair, right? This is like, Mm -hmm. it feels like the re-emergence of the deplorables conversation and then also meets like QAnon conspiracy theory, right? Where it's just like on the one side, you've got, if people aren't wearing masks, right? You like assume that they are, you know, conspiracy theorists and QAnon people. But then on the other side, right? People who are wearing masks, the people who don't wear masks assume that we're like liberal latte drinking sheep. Right. So it's like a whole bunch of things. I just want to say I'm I'm liberals, but I don't want the surveillance state to catch me. Yes, we exist. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct. (laughs) A.K.A. this has another function for me. But I I think what I want people to understand, too, is that with all of this drive to like want to go back to normal, first of all, This is where we're at, and this is where we finna be for a while. So that's just that on that. There's no hearkening back to the good old days. The shit wasn't good before. But also, um, there's no way that we figure this out unless we start to try and stop the transmission of the shit.
1: I mean, you can say (laughs) that again. I just have to
0: say it because I feel like... (sighs) That too feels like a conspiracy theory for folks
1: it sometimes. Does, but you know what my deep sigh is about honestly? And I appreciate that you said that like mask wearing is politicized on both sides because I'm actually also frankly very sick of the scolding that comes from our side, yep. you know. Yep. And um everyone just has something to say all the time and and I'm going to be I'm going to be honest and I'm not saying that it's um it's correct. I just would like to make um some room for like complicated hey, feelings. Let's go. My feeling is one, I was like, well, you know, we've been in a pandemic for two years. Um, The messaging is pretty clear. We know what the pandemic can do and cannot do. So there is a part of me that's like, the people who don't wear masks, I'm like, you know, like, goodbye. Like, I, um, if you don't care about your life, um, I am not going to care about your life. That said, um, (laughs) a lot of us not wearing masks has consequences for the rest of the population that does care. And I think so much about the flu, you know, and- how in this country, we have decided that it's okay for, I want to say like 60 to 70,000 people to die of the flu every year. That's we just right. decided that that was the cost of doing business. We're like, you know what? Like we could all wash our hands and wear a mask. Like the things that we did in early pandemic seasons one and two, and there was no flu to be seen That's right. in, in on the whole planet. We could do that. And like those people would not have to die. And it makes me feel both like really angry and despondent sometimes, Mm. you know, because I like the flu numbers. It's it's just so wild to be like, okay, like, you know, tens of thousands of people die of the flu and that doesn't jolt us. And now I'm like millions of people have died of coronavirus straight on the planet. And, And it's like, sure, like I live in New York and a million people is a lot of people. But I'm like, Some of you people live in real America. A million people you will never see. You know what I mean? Like a million people is like a hundred times your town or it's like 95 times the like football stadium that you go to or whatever. Yeah. And just the the sheer number of people we have lost and the fact that it does not match up with the amount of just like national outrage and sadness that we have is that is... That is doing something to me on a psychic level that I am not fully understanding yet. And, mm-hmm. it, and it scares me. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I want to come back to what this country does to us on a psychic level. <laughs> Before I move there, though, I, I was having a conversation with my dear friend iGen this weekend. And we were talking about just the shift in content that has been coming out over the last two years. And it's been really fucking interesting. And I, I think that throughout not just this country's history, but I think anytime there are massive shifts in a place's um, norms, right, and way that they be, that the creators among us, right, reflect back to us. Shit that is super fucking interesting. This is where we got the Harlem Renaissance, right? This is where we got like the Works Progress Administration and all the beautiful shit that came to us out of that. It's like there's beauty that does come from crisis or at the very least, there are very interesting ways that people reflect back, right? Both how we be in moments of chaos, but also how people keep going. And so I want to ask you about any new skills that Ms. Rona has given you. This shit started. People started baking bread. People were planting gardens, doing their own manicures. It was like DIY. There was no fucking toilet paper. And so suddenly people felt like they had to go back to the goddamn basics, right? So in case we enter into the apocalypse, which I'm pretty sure we're already in, I just got to know what you bring into the table.
1: I mean, I'm going to tell you now. (laughs) When the apocalypse comes, I want to die first. I am not trying. Like, I am not trying to survive. I am. mm Mm-mm lord send my asteroid right now oh God, i like I I, so yeah much. it's like everybody who has these like in the zombie apocalypse i'm gonna do xyz i'm like in the zombie apocalypse i'm gonna be dead like i <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> yeah i was like y'all not gonna trade me for water and guns Listen. like that is not gonna
0: happen <laughs> um <laughs> you said so... bury me a G. I, I appreciate that
1: but in the pre-apocalypse aka the the <laughs> pandemic and and you know and this is like such a function of like of privilege too it's not you know it's not to say that i was not worried it's like my my family literally there are four of us and we live we were comically locked out of each other's countries like mm. living in four different countries um my you know like i have my own health conditions like whatever all all of this stuff is true but like relatively i was like I did not suffer in the pandemic. Like I had a hard pandemic. It was like, especially on a mental health level, it was really, it was gruesome. And I was like, we, there were some days there that was like, it was touch and go. But, you know, when I think about like, collectively, like how the pandemic was for my life, I was like, oh, actually it was, it was a time of like, personal abundance, like interior. And I think that's something that I'm also just like contending with a lot. I was like, oh wow, this like all of these millions of people have died. And mm. I am like I'm actually learning a lot about myself. And I'm learning a lot about what brings me joy and what um doesn't bring me joy. So I'll tell you some of those things. This is so boring. But I really started to enjoy like exercising outside. Mm. And I run now. I entered the pandemic with like not as a runner and now I'm like, I um I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm not even good about running, but I have no shame about calling myself a runner. I, I was like, I have put this. in the hours and the work and I actually really love it. And it was such a good way to like spend some alone time with mm. myself. And it was such a good way to spend some time in my own thoughts. I realized that I'm so afraid of silence in my mind. Mm. So I'm always just like distracting myself. And I'm you know, I'm like, I'm the poster child of ADHD. Mm. And, even like when I started running, I was always like, "Ah, oh, the music has to be exactly like this. It has to be loud like this." And now I really force myself to be like, "Nope, we're going out for an hour, and we're we're going to focus on breathing, and we're not going to listen to jams." Oh shit! It's, it's it's rough and tough, and it's fun. I also uh, picked up some white man sports. I, um, <laughs> I learned how to golf sports. in the pandemic. Oh, God, I, I learned how to golf in the pandemic, and I was lit. <laughs> um. Yeah, golfing is really fun. Don't, like, white people do these things that are fun and then they don't want us to know about them. And I'm like, I am I am reverse gentrifying this from y'all. Like, go- like we're about to make golf real black. It was probably um, our shit to so begin It's so fun. With. And, uh... <laughs> I what else I learned how to drive a car in the pandemic I'd never Stop. driven before so maybe that is what I bring to the um to the apocalypse I'm a really good driver actually and my parallel parking is iconic so I can get into any tight spot in the um in the apocalypse I don't, you know, like a lot of just like basic, yeah, really, really, really basic stuff. Wow. Um, I learned how to fix my own toilet. Like that was a big day of personal triumph for me. A lot of like home, you know, like home projects when you couldn't have someone come like hang a thing for you or like fix the sink or the mm. whatever. I was like, yeah, I was like, there's YouTube videos for all this stuff. Listen. Um, yeah, I'm prepping to be a homeowner for the day when I'm a homeowner. I was like, okay, I like, I got this. I got this. I love this.
0: You know, there is a book. Um, that I came across called How to Fix Everything in Your Home I'm what? fucking I'm obsessed buying this. with it buy it I think it's from like the 1990s or something but it's amazing
1: no I was like between YouTube videos and like really nice dads on Reddit <laughs> that let me ask all my questions <laughs> I um, let me tell you and I got a level and some like a drill I you was like I'm, I'm out here you I'm out what? here
0: this is why I flex with you Last time we talked, we had you on with Anne about call your girlfriend. And we were talking about at that point your debut book now, which is a New York Times bestseller, Big Friendship. So I want to start by talking a little bit about the aftermath of the book. So first of all, I read the book. And you know, I'm not one of those like podcasts that like has people on to talk about their books and I haven't read it. Like I don't do shit like that. Um, because I don't believe in it, right? I'm like, I can't co-sign some shit that actually is like really fucking boring, or that we I like integrity. Don't agree love integrity with politically, right? But I had read like half of the book, and I when I interviewed you guys, and I was like, okay, this is fine. But then I like kept going. I fucking loved it. I loved it so much that I bought copies for my girlfriends, oh. and then they also read it and loved it. And we've been like having conversations about this ever since. One aspect that we all kind of gigged on, um, we've been friends since high school, right? Some of us middle school. One aspect that I think people didn't touch a lot, I mean, I know there was like an article that you guys wrote about it, but I I don't think people dug into this enough, was the aspect of what happens when people, and thus our friendships, change and how to navigate Mm -hmm. that. Like, can we just normalize friendships changing? (laughs) So I'm I'm hoping you can talk with us a little bit about that. How are you two navigating friendship post a very honest and vulnerable book about your friendship on top of a two-year pandemic?
1: Honestly, I am so grateful that we did all of that work before the pandemic because the pandemic was a challenging time for every single one of my relationships. And I think that's true for everyone. And there was only one relationship that I felt really secure and confident in because it's like, oh, I've done the work of what happens when your relationship is challenged. So entering into the pandemic, I was like, thank goodness. And, um, you know, and I can only speak for myself, obviously. Um, Hi, Anne, if you're listening. (laughs) But I I feel really, yeah, I feel really good about that the work that we did and also how vulnerable we made, um, we made ourselves and telling our story because obviously like, you know, we did not plan for (laughs) all of us to be stuck at home for two years or for this like transformational event. But the pandemic I think really illustrated for a lot of people that um, the change of relationships doesn't have to happen because anybody did something wrong. It's like circumstance just happens. And here's a real time example of a really hard thing that we are all going through and we're all experiencing it differently. Um, I love when you said like normalize uh, relationships, like friendships changing because it sounds so like duh, you know? But of course, it's like relationships change because people change. I'm not the same person that I was when I, you know, met my friend all of those decades ago. I'm not even the same person that I was when I wrote the book and I'm not the same person that I was when that book was released. And so if anything, I think that... um embracing the change in relationships is also embracing the change in yourself which oftentimes is really hard to see and hard to know because you, you know you're always like oh like that other person has changed or this thing has changed and it's like no babe um, you have changed mm. because we, we are constantly evolving people and no two days are the same in our lives
0: mm, you better
1: tell all that
0: You've been very, very vocal about grappling with challenges with mental and physical health. Mm. Now, we're in post-school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. What are we missing about the relationship between mental and physical health and the systems set up of this country? In other words, how do we start talking about mental health once it came to, like, holding motherfuckers accountable around their decisions around guns? Is this like a service or a disservice to those of us who are grappling with mental and physical health challenges?
1: You know that it's it's hypocritical immediately when, as a country, we are never willing to talk about mental health. But the minute that there is a shooting, everybody is a mental health expert and um, and the mental health of the perpetrators are immediately like brought into place. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. This is the only time that we're willing to talk about this is in moments of violence. And yeah, that shit is fake. It's it is fake, 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 fake and it really drives me nuts. And here's the thing about mental health, it's just health, you know? Like if you have if you have cancer, you go to an oncologist. If you have a headache, you take a leave. If you have a um, you know, like it it is just health. It's not this like special kind of health yep. or um, you know, it's it if you have mental health Issues. It doesn't, you're not like set apart from the rest of the population. And honestly, after two years in a pandemic, anyone who is not struggling a little bit with their mental Hello? health, I literally don't trust them. Hello. You know, I'm like, what you're like, your coping skills are this good. Yeah, like, no, we- no. Like you you are the problem. You facts. are the problem. Facts on facts. facts Nobody's on facts. coping skills are this good. And you know, I am really vocal about my own mental health struggles because one, I think that they've really surprised me. I just grew up in a way that we didn't talk about them. I, um, you know, I, I suffer from depression and anxiety and a host of other things. And it's been interesting just even for me seeing the bias that people have against me when I share that. And I was like, listen, like I'm mentally ill, but I also am a contributing member of society. Like yeah. I have a career. I work. Yeah. I, and it's not to say, you know, and I'm not trying to set up this like mentally ill people are also, um, you know, can also be president one day. I was mm-hmm. like, please. Um, it's it's more about like people are complicated and like all areas of health, like it can deteriorate or change like throughout the course of your life. I was like, I was not a depressive person always. And then now I am, mm-hmm. you know, or I wasn't aware of it before. And now I'm aware of it. Circumstances can change. Your brain chemistry can change, whatever. Uh, the reason that I like to talk about it too is to really confront everyone with the fact that like, it's just, it's not shameful. It's a part of who I am. Um, a lot of times people want me to feel ashamed about it, whether they they are doing it on purpose or not, or, you know, or make me feel like there's something wrong with me. And I was like, well, you know, they're, they're, honest to God, there is nothing wrong with me at all. Right. It's just a couple broken neurotransmitters. Yep. store is fine if you choose to go yeah. uh, the medicine route. Yeah, it's totally, totally. fine. <laughs> totally. And it is it's something that every single person struggles with, and it's why I also get so upset when it comes into when it comes into play when we have these like moments of gun violence, because one, it is equating um, mentally ill people with violence, which is completely not true, but also it's saying that people who have mental illness have no agency, and I was like that is also not true correct it's also like completely not true and And I think it also confronts our society with the ways that we just like silence so many portions of society. If you have been listening to disability activists like a single day in your life, you would have been uh, better prepared for the pandemic. You would be better prepared for how gun violence affects people. You would be better prepared for just generally how as a society we are callous towards a lot of members of our society. You would be prepared to know that, um, yeah, that everybody has agency in how they want to live their life and the choices they want to make and and ultimately like their happiness. Um, So like the connection, the connection makes me so upset. And at the same time, I don't think that this is a moment not to talk about mental health. The other thing about, I think the mental health conversation that always is difficult for me is that we talk about it in this way, you know, it's like me talking about it or people, it, Always boils down to these individual choices that we're making. And it's because we live in a society that makes it nearly impossible, like on a structural level, to get the health and the care that you need. There is no shame at all in needing mental health care. And there is actually a lot of shame about living in one of the richest countries in the world and not having access to these things. It's, I was like, the shame is not on us, the individuals, the shame should be on the system that we have set up. That's right. And, um, you know, and also it is such a conversation at this point because of the way that America set up about privilege and access and capitalism, really. You know, like everyone's always like, oh, go to therapy, do this, do that. And I was like, we are not going to therapy our way like into freedom. Okay. I don't know how to tell you this. Okay. And also, uh, like, did you know that therapy can also be a tool of imperialism and uh, a lot of things? That so, fucking part. You know, it's like, let's, let's use our critical thinking here. Um, you know, and that's not me like disparaging um, therapy. I've been so lucky to have the therapist that I have But I also know that I am privileged to have access to therapy and I'm privileged to have access to therapists who know how to work with someone like me. And also, um, it's okay if someone's like, you know, moral values and beliefs like do not line up with the current way that like psychology is sold to us like in Mm -hmm. this capitalist society. Mm -hmm. But I, I just find it like really regrettable and awful that there are no interventions that we have for when people are struggling. That's right. You know, I'm like, we have no community interventions. We have no medical interventions. We have no, um like, th- there is just like nothing, nothing, nothing. And there is still such a stigma on even asking for help or sharing the things that you're struggling with. And, you know, we're just in a rinse and repeat cycle of awfulness every single time with this conversation. That's right. That's
0: right. I mean, there's so much to say in this. And one of the things that feels really important is to say, too, that, We also don't have enough trained people for Mm -hmm. all of the people who need support around their health and well-being. And especially when it comes to communities of color or other communities that have been marginalized, right? It's like there's just not enough infrastructure. And we've been talking about this for a long, long time. We talk about nurses. Mm -hmm. We talk about doctors, right? But Can we also talk about Mm -hmm. therapists and healers and like real healers, though, not the people that be like doing all the weird woo-woo shit? Um, (laughs) I'm talking like people who have been practiced, right? We don't have a pipeline. And that leads to some of this. And then, of course, on top of that, this is at least 40 years of policymaking um, Mm. realized, right? Like this shit doesn't come out of nowhere. I reject the mental health conversation when it comes to mass shooters because I agree with you 100%. I'm like, this is like a weird way of being like, oh, they just couldn't help it. Maybe you don't know anything about this person and
1: they're dead, so we'll never know, right? <laughs> um, right. But I'll tell you what we do know about mass shooters mm-hmm. is that almost always they commit violence against women. Hello. Almost always there have been reports of them doing other kinds of um, violence that we could intervene in and nothing is done. And Hello. also they always have access to guns. Hello. I was like, that's all true. Um, every mass shooter is not Mentally ill. Hello, and even if a mass shooter is mentally ill, their mental illness is not the reason that they did what they did. We, like you are walking around like a sea of mentally ill people every day. Correct. If, Correct. if every single and one of us like you know, in like that, exactly. Yeah, it's not, but it, it's you know, and I really think it really cuts also to just the lack of compassion we have and the lack of understanding mm-hmm. we have. It's you know, it's and it's not just American society. Like I grew up in West Africa, where. The rare times that you would see an unhoused person on the street, because it's Africa, it's like everyone, you know, like they're like, everyone has a place to go or Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, The rare times that you would see someone who was unhoused, they were often mentally ill or they were having some sort of, um, they were having like an episode of mental illness. And in West Africa, we would always just call them mad people. We're like, they're mad and it's why they're, they're outside. So this is not like an exclusively like white problem. But I say this to say that like I was raised in like seeing unhoused people who, and equating that with mental illness and that's wrong, but also watching them like really struggle in public with health where I was like, oh, if we had a, if only we had a hospital where we can take everyone and actually take care of them, or if we had a system that would take care of this, you know, and, and also just like equating that, like even the word madness or the way that, you know, like we use crazy in language or You know, and and there was just this fear. There was this like constant fear. And it's interesting in New York, we are experiencing like a huge spike with like seeing unhoused people on the street, which I think a lot of New Yorkers are not used to, especially like new New Yorkers. And there is also a spike in violence on the streets or in the subway. And people are equating those two things. Just being like, well, see, like everything's falling apart. There are people who have nowhere to live. And so now like there is crime everywhere on the train. I was like, this is not true. And if anything, it speaks to the fear that we have as people where we see people who are different than us and we immediately are afraid of them, you know, and i confess, I was like, I have also had to do work with that where it's like you actually, instead of looking at someone who is different than you and thinking immediately like, oh my God, how are they going to harm me? Like blah, blah, it's all centered around you. It's literally thinking like, oh, this person is actually in pain and they're going through something very hard Mm -hmm. and how, um, what can I do to help? And sometimes the answer is nothing because we're not professionals, right? right? And I was like, and that's like, and I think that that's what's so hard about this conversation as well is, as you said, there are not enough trained people. There is not enough information for those of us who are not trained. And it just perpetrates a cycle of like real violence against people who need a lot of very basic help and care. That's right.
0: And there's not enough outrage about the fact that we have been divesting from and defunding any kind of fucking infrastructure that could either care for people, right, in various stages of wellness and or possibly create an environment where
1: um, people don't break. Yeah. And I I honestly think that, like, we... It's going to take us, like, many more centuries before we understand why and when people do break Mm -hmm. because we just are not seeing... We are not understanding it in real time. I got you.
0: Look, I want to talk about this extremist movement, and I'm going to start off talking about this extremist movement by talking about abortion. I'm going to talk about abortion until I'm blue in the fucking face, mostly because there is such a stark discrepancy, just like this conversation about mass shootings and mental health. There's such a stark discrepancy between the lives we actually give a shit about. And we literally just refuse to say things like, hmm. Frankly, we just don't believe that people who can get pregnant should be able to control if and under what circumstances they decide to bring life into the world. How are we to understand what is happening in this country right now as it relates to the conservative movement and the gains that they've won and continue to win?
1: I don't even know how to answer that question because I'm so angry. I am so furious. And the only thing I can think of is just what a bunch of liars and cowards they are. I was like, these people are liars and these people are cowards. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I um, I grew up in like a fairly conservative, like Muslim family. And I went to school in Texas and people would always ask me to explain, you know, they were like, whenever anything happened, they were always like, oh my God, like tell us about these like radical Muslim clerics. I'm like, you know what? They are not different from the radical Baptist clerics that I have met here. Um, <laughs> Just like different branding, but absolute, like, same, 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 uh, like, implementation. This thing that you're saying about, like, whose life matters is, like, my my brain just breaks. I was like, okay, so the women are forced to have the babies. Got it. There's no baby formula. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. And then you also want the teachers and the cafeteria ladies to protect the babies at school from the guns that you will not ban. Got it. And we're not allowed to ban your guns because it's your choice <laughs> yeah. to carry them. That's okay. interesting to me. Okay. 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 Got, it. okay. Got, it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Sounds sounds great. I was like the, yeah, the like I choose my gun and you can't take it away from me. People just being so mad about the choice of a gun and not, like connecting the dots to like the choice of um, the very serious choice of carrying a life or not.
0: Yeah. And also this is not supposedly the time to talk about gun control because fucking babies were murdered. But wait, <laughs> but wait, <Yeah>. and <laughs> I mean, it just,
1: what? It just doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's just like, well, like, in in the constitution, I was like, the Constitution was written by people who are afraid of dishwashers. I don't have baby, time for that. You baby. know what I mean? Like could not handle life today. So oh. I not only I do not have time for that. Um, and I'm also just furious that, you know, the conversation that we go back to is always so basic. Like we have to do so much education about abortion. Mm-hmm. And I really reject that actually. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. nope. I am done like I was like, mm mm, like women already did this. You know what I mean? Like there's a whole women's been movement doing it. that's already been like, fucking done doing this. it. Oh yeah. And I really reject it that like our opponent doesn't know anything or that we have to educate our supporters. I even reject this premise of making women share their abortion stories to, you know, like garner some sort of sympathy. I was like, no, I was like, some people have abortions and it means nothing to them. And some people have abortions and it's a big deal to them. And it's actually all about the circumstance in which that child would have appeared in their life. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not a it's not a commentary on whether abortion is hard for certain people or not. It's just, I was like, you cannot put your morality on every single person who, who walks this earth. And I frankly am just very, very tired of having to play by the rules of a small minority. And I am tired of having to play by the rules of people who have a make believe God in a make believe book that I personally don't believe in. I was like, I love that for you. But, um, if you go to the principles of what America was founded on, which was freedom of religion, to me, I was like, that is the freedom to make the choices that you want. It's not about the freedom to like dump your choices on every single one of us. And I'm so tired of having to pretend that the right doesn't know what all of this is. Mm -hmm. This is, they are winning this campaign because they laid the seeds for this decades and decades ago. This is a long playbook. They didn't wake up yesterday and decide this. These are, we are suffering consequences from like groundwork that was laid in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And in order for our next generation to thrive, those of us on the left have to lay the groundwork so that in 30, 40, 50 years, people do not have to go through this again. This is so... um, it's fucking mind boggling and it is infuriating. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of um, creating a new playbook, as we wrap up our conversation today, and of course, I don't want to. And of course, I never want to, especially when it comes to you. I want to ask you, what are some ways that you keep going? And I don't want to call it like, how do you stay hopeful? Because we're not fucking hopeful all the time. And that's just a fact. And sometimes I feel like we sugarcoat that shit's fucked up. And then we were like, oh, just be hopeful. No, I don't believe in that. Hope, real hope requires some kind of changed behavior and action. Mm. So what are you doing these days to change your behavior and take action?
1: Man, this is going to sound so bad, but I have really, um, I've gone really deep inside of myself. The noise of like politics, the like, big P of politics and the noise of like political TV and the right versus the left and the both sides. I am really taking a break from that. Like you will not catch me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I am not watching the news. I am not, you know, it's like the news is coming to me, but I'm telling you that I am not actively engaging in staying informed right now. And I know that that sounds really, um, intuitively like sounds bad, but actually I will defend this choice in saying that, um, everybody needs a break. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs a break and you need to make choices every day that will make you feel better. And I had to step back because, um, you know, and it's, and I feel no shame about it because I know that when I put in the work, I am putting in the work. And when I show up, I show up. But in order to be able to show up at my best and to be an asset to my community, I'd need to take a break every once in a while. And I think that what is beautiful about being in community and doing activism in community is this is that like when those of us step up when the when some of us need a break that's right you know and it's a cycle that keeps going and coming and i think also just understanding that i i wish for everything to be made better in my lifetime i have really given up all expectations i have not given up hope but i have given up expectations i've given up the expectation of seeing certain Like kind of the the things that I thought would be like big results. It's like, oh, we're going to have a woman president in my lifetime. We're gonna have a black president in my lifetime. We're gonna I was like, all of those things are big symbolic gestures actually. And I care about the small P of politics. I care about what how my neighbors are doing. I care about how the people that I am in relationship with directly are doing. I care about how I am spending my money and how I'm spending my time. And I also am working really hard to eradicate guilt from Mm. all of this thinking. The thinking of, I have to be like constantly in turmoil and suffering and miserable to feel like I am contributing to something. I was like, no, like this is, we are living in a hard time. I'm just not sure. You know, when we talk about going back to the the before times, I was like, the before times were also in shambles. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just... It's, it's funny that we always accuse white people of, you know, bringing back the good old days. But I was like, oh, I was like, I it turns out that I too think I have a good old days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm a black woman. And like, what is my good old days? Like, Correct. grow up. You know what I mean? Correct. Um, the good days are only ahead. They're never behind us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the good days are only ahead. They're never behind us. And I am just really recharging my battery and focusing because guess what? There is a battle and a war every single day. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to like kill yourself and your spirit in order to be a good member of your community and I am really trying to remember that as I say that to others
0: you know what I fucks with that I often say I plan to be among the last ones standing and so in order for that to happen I gotta pace myself yo it's a marathon not a sprint and my friend Max Elbaum always used to say to me you gotta find peace in the pain And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things a lady just ain't going to do this week. <sighs> Number one, Oklahoma effectively bans abortions. I mean, if you weren't already outraged, now is a great time. This week, Oklahoma signed a bill into law that effectively bans abortions in the state. HB 4327 was signed into law by Governor Kevin Stitt. And the bill makes performing abortions in the state illegal, with few exceptions, such as miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy—I mean, that's when a pregnancy develops in the fallopian tubes—and rape and incest, but only if it's reported first to the police. It is currently the strictest abortion law in the country. I mean, wow, y'all. What else can I say besides this? Elections matter. Governors matter. We are in a fight for better lives, but we have built a movement to achieve that, And our opposition, they've built a movement to deny it to us. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I intend to finish what we started. We cannot go backwards, y'all. And this is most certainly backwards. People in the state of Oklahoma no longer have access to abortion services. If you're raped or a survivor of incest in Oklahoma and you get pregnant, but you don't report it to the police, what the fuck? You cannot get an abortion. And if you get one somehow and defy the law, oh, Yeah, you're subject to a civil suit from a private citizen. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. If you have an abortion or you're suspected of having an abortion in Oklahoma and Texas, you can be sued. The fuck, y'all. The fuck. Now, for the first time in 50 years, people who can get pregnant in the state will not have access to the health care they need. And when Roe versus Wade finally does get decided at the Supreme Court, and spoiler alert— it is likely to be overturned as per a leaked draft decision written by Justice Alito that we spoke about on a previous show. When Roe v. Wade is decided, and if it is decided the way it's looking, like it finna be decided, at least 20 states across the nation are ready to follow in Oklahoma's footsteps. And so, for the love of everything holy, I beg you, please do not give up on this movement that we have that is intended to give us what they call in Columbia— Viver sabroso, life with dignity and goodness. Other things Lady Just Ain't Gonna Do this week is Walker v. Warnock. (laughs) All right, y'all. Honestly, I hate to even bring this shit up, but like, what are we doing, really? We have a black Republican candidate running against Reverend Raphael Warnock in Georgia. None other than Herschel Walker. What's wrong with that, you ask? I mean, well, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with it per se, but Lady worries that the Republican Party plans to do with Walker what they did with Trump, put somebody in office with no fucking experience, extremist conservative ideology, and then let the chips fall where they may. So what do we know about Herschel Walker? Well, we know that he's the stuff that Atlanta legends are made of. He's a football hero, Heisman Trophy winner, considered to be one of the greatest college football players of all time. He once said that he graduated from high school as the valedictorian, but the lie detector test determined that this was a lie. He said he graduated from the University of Georgia in the top 1% of his class, but yeah, that was also a lie. What actually happened is he left college to join the U.S. Football League, and he had um, a B average. Not only was he not top of his class, he never actually completed his degree. In 1983, Walker signed with the New Jersey Generals, once owned by Oklahoma oil tycoon J. Walter Duncan, and later sold to, you guessed it, Donald J. Trump. According to Wikipedia, he has a history of not telling the truth about his accomplishments and acquisitions, especially when it comes to business. Sound familiar? He believes that Joe Biden engaged in election fraud and didn't actually win the 2020 election, and he also believes that the January 6th insurrection was a hoax. And he is a major supporter of Donald Trump. His ex-wife was granted a restraining order against him after he threatened to shoot her in the head on multiple occasions. He was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder in 2001, and he was also temporarily banned from owning a gun in an order from a judge. That's a big deal in Texas, y'all, because what? What? He's been endorsed by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Why am I giving you all this background, you ask? Well, I'm giving you all this background because some of y'all out here will start talking like Kanye about being free thinkers when it comes to two black people squaring off for this seat. Mark Lady's words. This is a strategic decision. Do yourself a favor and watch some videos of this man just for shits and giggles. He's not the brightest star in the sky, but neither was Trump, which is why, A, it makes sense that they've been down with each other all these years, and B, it's why it makes no fucking sense to reinstall a black version of Donald Trump in the United States Senate. Okay? So Lady gets concerned that y'all become enthralled by black Republicans, and really, we don't need you to do all that. I mean, for real, we don't need that from you. Okay? That's not racial justice. I'm good with black Republicans, but no, I don't want black people in positions of power who believe that January 6th was a hoax. Mm, No, thank you. Other things that Lady just ain't going to do this week is more shootings, but no policy on gun control. Now, I know there's a long list of things Lady just can't take no more of, but keeping it 100, that's just the state of the fucking world right now. Now, since the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, that claimed the lives of more than a dozen children and two teachers— there have been more than a dozen other mass shootings that we've learned about, 24 to be exact, and those are just the ones that make the news. Now, it's hard not to feel like things are spinning out of control, and I'm gonna be honest with you, things are not good right now. But my plea to you, dear listeners, is to not let yourself be overtaken by despair. The things that we suffer from, the violence, the poverty, the lying, the cheating, the being left out and left behind, None of these problems are natural disasters. They're not acts of God. They are problems that are created by humans and therefore they can be fixed by humans, organized and focused on making change. So let's get to fixing, my friends. Y'all ready? Shit. Let's move on to things that Lady wants more of this week, though. Number one, and yes, it really is number one Pride Month. Now, how the fuck is it already June? I, Yeah. Anyways, I am mad. It's my favorite time of year. Summer is coming, my darlings. And June is Pride Month, and you know we here, we queer, and all of that. Now, Lady loves queer resistance and rebellion, so leave your rainbows at home and go and put some Skrilla in the hands of people who are making the world safer for us. Two organizations come to mind right off top, the Transgender Cultural District in San Francisco and the Okra Project. But there are hundreds of dope-ass organizations fighting for dignity and safety for queer and trans communities. So, if you want my advice, you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, get thee behind them and support them because Lord know folks need it. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Other things Lady loves this week is that Honey Mahogany announces her campaign for District 6 Supervisor. Now, speaking of the transgender cultural district, one of the co-founders is running for the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco in District 6, and we love to see it. Honey Mahogany is the real deal, y'all. And just this week, she announced that she is running for the seat that has been vacated by her former boss, Matt Haney, who recently won a resounding victory against David Campos for California State Assembly. Now, can we just do a little side note, a little shady side note? Now, it has been a long, long time, honey, since I've seen an electoral ass whooping like that. In any case, (laughs) honey is the real deal. And if elected, she would be the first trans person and the first black trans woman to ever, ever, ever serve on the board of supervisors there. How is this San Francisco and ain't no trans people ever served on the board? In any case, her opponent was recently appointed by Mayor Breed. He used to be the press person, yeah, the press spokesperson for the Police Officers Association in San Francisco, which, frankly, is a racist, homophobic institution. So God bless him. And no, I don't care that dude's gay. I said what the fuck I said. Anywho, Honey has all kinds of qualifications. And don't just take it from me. Let's see if we can get the queen to come and visit us on the show. Stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, check out her website to learn more www.honeymahogany.com. I'm a proud supporter, personally, myself. Other things Lady Loves this week, California primaries. Now, even though I'm not in California no more, the California primary elections are just around the corner, and y'all don't need me to tell you, everything is at stake. So June 7th, that would be Tuesday, go on and handle business. You know what to do. If you don't, holler at me. I'll try to (laughs) help. Oh, my loves, it is time for the digest of ladies love notes, which is everything you need to know about being single and dating in your fabulous 40s. This week's topic, dick pics. My darlings, I have said it before and I am going to say it again. The streets are not for me. This month, it's been a year since I decided to like venture out on my own in search of, I don't know, I'm not sure what yet, but something else was calling me and I decided to answer the call. And over the last year, I have surely had my share of what the fucks. I even got my heart broken once. Side note: I recently ran into an old friend who separated from her long-term partner maybe a year or so before I did. And when I saw her recently, she asked me, "You know, hey girl, how are things going?" And she added, "Have you had your heart broken yet?" I was like, "Yo, bitch, I feel so seen. Yes, I have." In any case. I've had my share of follies as I both try to figure out what I want and who I am not in a relationship. Ah, You'll recall I had the 90s butch who was trying to lock it down, knowing good and damn well from the start, I wasn't with the shits. Then there was the fashion forward guy who just wasn't that into me, but he wanted to take up my time. Then there was the youngin who just, well, let's just say there's a thing as being too damn young. And then, of course, there was the one who broke my heart, but we're not finna get into all that shit right now. Anyway, it's a wrap. That's all there is on that. But one thing I am grateful for now is that until now, I've managed to avoid the infamous dick pic. Until now. So, lovelies, I recently vacationed in Honduras. It was lovely. I met a man there. He was really cute, he was sweet, and he was a chef. I was bold. I gave him my number. You know, don't start. None won't be none, right? <laughs> Besides, it seems safe enough. I live here. He lives there. Whatever, man. Well, after chatting a few times, I find out all the things. Number one, he's young as fuck. 30 years old. And yes, big flag. Flag on the play. He'd be asking me questions like what my favorite color is and shit like that. But I still entertained him because why not? He seemed earnest and he seemed sweet until the other night. So, Background, i had had a terrible day, okay? Terrible. Family drama, dude drama, spiritual drama, like, it was a lot of drama. I'm finally crawling into bed, so excited to crawl into bed, trying to get some rest before a two-day staff retreat that I have to run. I put on my jammies, I crawl into bed, I get my bonnet on, I grab my phone to set my alarm for early as fuck, and the text comes through, hey, sweets, what's good with you? <laughs> All right. So I'm thinking, you know what? Chat for a second. I mean, maybe it'll be a regular end to this no good, terrible day. We chat back and forth for a little bit before he says, I made something for you. Want to see it? (sighs) Now look, look, y'all. I am motherfucking 41 years old. I remember chat rooms, y'all. And something about that text just put a little squeeze in my stomach because I'm pretty sure I knew what was coming. And I'm going to be honest with y'all at this point. I'm like, you know what? Not much else could fucking be worse about this day. So why not? Let him show me something. Dude sends a dick video. Now, I have never received a dick video, but clearly even in your 40s, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> Let me not get too graphic here, but suffice it to say, it's him with his phone towards the mirror with an erect penis that he's bouncing up and down. The cold part of the whole thing is that it wasn't a quick video, but it ain't had no plot, no characters, no drama, and no conclusion, Cha. It ain't even had his face in it, okay? Just penis bouncing back and forth. And then in true young and ass form, he starts asking me what kind of stupid ass questions, like, what kind of sex do you like? Questions like, do you do oral? And on a scale of one to 10, how good are you at it? Are we fucking serious? Ladies and gentlemen, the streets are not fucking for me. Listen, I'm all for sex play, especially when you live long distance. Super sex positive. I am. And hey, if we had it like that, I'd be all for it. But look, I have talked to this dude all of five times, maybe. We have not shared our hopes and dreams. We haven't had sex. I literally just met this nigga on a Wednesday. So what is even the fuck happening? And the better question is, why is it even the fuck happening? Now, I did an informal poll of some friends asking about the dick pic phenomenon. Like, does this actually work on people? The informal answer is, yes, it does. Which is why dudes pull this Hail Mary, because they seem to figure that somebody gonna be like, ooh, daddy, you know I need that in my life. (laughs) me, I think I just need some Excedrin and maybe some Calgon to take me the fuck away. Needless to say, I'm good, boo. Thanks. You really cannot make this shit up. I mean, he be calling me a shit, but I don't answer. We don't kick it no more. I mean, what else is there to talk about? You sent me a dick video with no direction, no creativity. And then you asked me about my oral skills. What? Oh, and by the way, my head game is popping, but not for clowns. So, the love note in here is this. For those of the heterosexual persuasion, if you are sending dick pics with no context and no connection, you are a creep of the 1980s chatroom variety. Play with yourself in private or pay me for my motherfucking time. Appreciate you, Aminatu. How can people follow your great, incredible, brilliant, innovative self on the socials?
1: Do not follow me. Go outside. Take a walk. Put your computer down. The internet is a tool of the devil. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop following people. We do not need more followers. Um, If you want a fun meme break once a week, though, you can find me on Instagram at Aminatu, A-M-I-N-A-T-O-U. Don't even follow me. Just drop in on Saturdays. Um, Unfollow people. Unfollow more people. And um, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Live your life.
0: Oh my God, I love this so much. And I love you. Thank you for being on the show today. I love you so much. You're
1: up for having me.
0: And that's it. Really, don't take no. But I'll be back here next Friday with a new conversation. I promise I won't be late. And some more news that you can use. We appreciate you joining us. And please, let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what you like. And tell us what you ain't don't take no more of. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. We're also on Facebook at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We post ways to do something about things you hear on this show all over our social media. For real, we do. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. Let's give a special shout out to Jahari Farrar for making sure the people get what they need from our socials. Sis, we appreciate you. Please subscribe and write us a review and let the people know what you've heard here today. Our incredible producer is Phil Circus. Our fantastic theme is by Literix. And this pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And me? Oh, little old me. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember... Dick pics are for squares. And if you're gonna send video, I at least need some creativity, some direction. I need some action, honey. It's Pride Month, and we take pride in fighting back against the ongoing repression and oppression of queer and trans folk. All skin folk ain't kin folk, and that is certainly the case when it comes to this matchup between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. And it's okay to feel devastated by the state of the world, but please let it move you to action. We made this shit, and we can unmake this shit too. It's up to us, so let's get the fuck to it. That's right, <laughs> I said it because Lady Don't Take No.
1: Lady Don't Take No, she would insist, don't respect the sister, walk around like a woman. She won't speak, that's something worth saying, don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curious, she got a natural
0: way, her hips sway furiously. Love y'all.